Well, there's nothing that goes better with football than beer, and we're excited to have Golden Road Brewing as one of our newest sponsors for the show. Founded in 2011, Golden Road is Los Angeles' largest craft brewery with brew pub locations across California. Golden Road is excited to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs with its partnership beer, Kingdom Blonde Ale. Kingdom Blonde is available at local retailers and in the Chiefs Stadium during regular seasons. Golden Road's year-round offerings include Mango Cart Wheat Ale, Wolf Pup IPA, and Fruit Cart Hard Seltzer. Golden Road brewers are constantly experimenting with the freshest ingredients to keep fans' taste buds happy with a collection of rotating seasonals, creative flavors, and classic craft brews. Pick up a case of Golden Road beer at your local store to enjoy before the next game. Visit goldenroad.la slash beerfinder to buy Golden Road beer now. This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast. Brought to you by Vermeil Wines and powered by GASN Sports. The pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk. Featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. It is officially the first Elite Sports Podcast of 2021. Noah, we have flipped that calendar over. Better times are ahead, or so we think. How's it going, man? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thanks for staying with us here on the Elite Sports Podcast through what was a very trying year of 2020, but Noah, one for us that we look back on with a, a lot of reverence because we were able to interview and have so many wonderful guests on our show. Uh, you think back to guys like Jerry Porter, Jim McMahon, Dick Vermeil, Carl Peterson, Jarvis Green, the list goes on, Marcus Lattimore, uh, Ike Taylor. This It's been such a prolific year for us on the podcast, uh, and I can't help but think that this new advent of being virtual, being at home, that Zoom was so integral in us being able to do these interviews and especially doing it on video. That has been something that uh, I'm really excited about and really glad that was able to take place for 2020 as now all of our interviews, or at least 90% of them, Noah, they're available on our YouTube channel. You can go to uh, our YouTube channel, GASN Sports, and watch these interviews on video. Pretty cool, right? Absolutely. And happy new year to you, my friend. I mean, this is exciting stuff here that we got coming up. The NFL playoffs, you mentioned it being a trying year. Of course, everyone knows it has been. We're looking for better things ahead in 2021. But man, the NFL did a great job. They got all 256 games in, regular season games, and we are ready to roll here for the playoffs. It wasn't pretty. There were some cancellations uh, as far as the game happening on time, and they'd move it to a Monday, a Tuesday. We even had some Wednesday games. But, man, they all got played, and here we are for the NFL playoffs. And our Chiefs, the number one seed in the AFC, they procured it as the Steelers faltered down the stretch. And who are we going to play? Will it be the Colts? Will it be the Browns? Ravens? Titans? It is up for grabs here to see who we play. I'm not scared of anybody. I'm tired of being scared. I spent my whole life as a Chiefs fan being scared, cowering in a corner. Who's it going to be? Oh, but they have a good running game, a good defense, a good quarterback, good receivers. How are we going to stop them? How are we going to gain any yards? Not anymore. It's everyone else's turn to be scared of us. 
Hey, I'll tell you, the metrics are going to tell you that more likely than not, the winner of the Titans-Ravens is going to be the team that comes to Arrowhead Stadium a week from uh, this weekend. We will see what happens. you got to get a Colts upset or a Browns upset to sort of upset the apple cart there. But this is Super Wild Card Weekend, Noah, the very first one in NFL history. I say Super Wild Card because there are, in fact, 14 playoff teams instead of 12 and as much as I, my regimented OCD sports brain absolutely hates change, the fact that there's now an, an extra playoff game, I kind of am enjoying that, especially when your favorite team is the one seed and you're sitting back and kind of watching it all unfold in front of you. I like this, uh, you know, seven team in each conference uh, wildcard weekend. I'm going to lock in and re- you know really be ready to enjoy all these games and just see where the kind of dominoes fall. What about you? When you look at this, adding the extra playoff team, it seemed really kind of um, inconsequential at the time, but really in the AFC, at least you look at it and you say, Hey, the Indianapolis Colts, they're the seven seed at 11 and five. We got all the seven teams in uh, the dolphins were on the outside looking in at 10 and six, mostly 10 and six teams make the playoffs. They didn't this year, but it took seven teams just to get 11 and five teams in there. So it worked on the AFC side on the NFC, not so much, but I'm excited to uh, have this seventh game, but don't get me, started on 17 regular season games. We'll tackle that next year, but I'm already dreading that. <laughs> As am I, a record of 14 and three just doesn't sit right with me in my brain. But man, these seven playoff teams out of each conference, like you said, I wasn't too sure about it. The one seed, it looked like the Steelers were going to get it all year. Just like we're far and away the two seed, but now the two seed doesn't get a buy. And oh, what? But the Chiefs, they did it. They were really hot down the stretch, winning close games, but winning them all to get that number one seed. And like you said, we've got a full slate of games on Saturday, a full slate of games on Sunday. Before this year, it was having to wait usually uh, till three o'clock and then a night game, or you didn't get a night game. It was noon and three. So you've got a full slate. Your, Your entire day on Saturday and Sunday will be taken up by playoff game after playoff game after playoff game. You go to sleep, you wake up, playoff game, playoff game, playoff game. I am super ready for Super Wildcard Weekend. I don't know about you, but this part of it, I'm, we're not sure about the 17-game regular season, but these seven playoff teams in each conference, I think we're both excited for this. How about back-to-back triple headers on Saturday and Sunday, followed by the college football national championship game, Ohio State and Alabama on Monday. That's going to be three straight days of uh, of wonderment and magic. I'm in for all of it. So coming up here, we are going to be bringing on a very special guest this week, guys. We talked about the Zoom interviews. We talked about how in- important the interviews are to us here on The Elite. Well, today we're going to be talking with none other than former Mizzou All-American, former NFL tight end Chase Kaufman, going to be joining us to talk about his career at Mizzou, playing on those great offenses in 07 and 08 with Chase Daniel, playing alongside guys like Martin Ruck and Will Franklin and Jeremy Macklin and Denario Alexander and Tony Temple. The list goes on that, you know, those Missouri teams put the program on the map under Gary Pinkle, ascending to number one in the country back in 2007 before losing to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, which uh, put Ohio State and LSU in that national title game, a two loss LSU. So Missouri was right there on the cusp of a national title in 07. Chase Kaufman was hurt, did not play against Oklahoma. Definitely uh, a key factor for why Missouri was not able to win that game. But honestly, one of the great college tight ends that I can remember in in my lifetime, especially here at the University of Missouri, he comes in as an unheralded three-star recruit out of uh, Raymore Peculiar. He's a Kansas City guy. His dad played for the Green Bay Packers in the 70s, and then Chase Kaufman 
you know, makes his dreams come true at the University of Missouri and then gets drafted by the Bengals back in 2009. So this is going to be great to be able to catch up with Chase Kaufman, a guy that I had such reverence for back when he played, you know, just as a Missouri fan in my 20s. And now to have him on, this is really special. And Chase was, man, he was a, sure was a good one, wasn't he? Absolutely. Maybe a tight end before his time. He's more of like you see today in the likes of Travis Kelsey, a big wide receiver, splitting him out wide. Uh, we see saw him on those Bengals hard knocks episodes. Coaches yelling at him. We're going to talk to him about that, get into that. But man, they wanted his hand in the dirt. And he's like, man, just if I could just push my career a few years down the road, I could be a Travis Kelsey split out and maybe have uh, a much better career than he ended up having with coaches trying to get his hand in the dirt and trying to fit him into their scheme instead of saying, hey, look what this guy can do and we need to fit our scheme around him. Well, to see where Missouri was at that time, just you as someone that watches college football, a lot of it, when Missouri emerged onto that scene, and you got guys like him and, and, and Martin Rucker in 07, and those are two tight ends that were so deadly on the field. I mean, you think about tight end combinations like, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in the NFL. And then you think back to what that was at the college level, just when Missouri emerged like that and you started hearing names like Chase Coppins. I mean, what as, as a casual observer, was it just was it kind of shocking? Was it like, wow, this is just a perfect storm for this school to be able to, you know, outshine the the Nebraska's and the Kansas States at the time and, and, and Missouri really became into the national spotlight at that point. They absolutely did. Uh, growing up uh, with you and uh, my friend, Brian Cooper. I mean, I heard all the horror stories of Missouri football, Missouri basketball, just being a Missouri fan and just how it always goes wrong, how there's devastating losses, losses that shouldn't have been losses, national championships stolen. I mean, I heard it all. And man, when the, these guys came along, you talked about uh, Chase Kaufman, Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, all those guys that they had on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it was a revelation, just a new life just breathed into that Missouri football program and the fans. And it was just fun to watch them going up and down the field, uh, fighting to be number one in the country, fighting for a national championship. Didn't quite happen, but man, there were some great times there for Missouri fans. And it wasn't all the devastating and downtrodden times that I had grown up hearing about. <laughs> uh, so that was good to see. So you guys have some excitement and some smiles on your faces. Well, we're going to talk to him about uh, the program now. And Eli Drinkwitz coming off a five and five season, landing four star recruit after four star recruit. The needle is definitely pointing up on the the program. But without further ado, guys, we're going to get into a little bit more uh, of sports topics after our interview with Chase Kaufman, which, by the way, once again is available um, on our YouTube channel. GAS and Sports is the YouTube. Subscribe and check out uh, probably ninety percent of our interviews. We do they're right there for you on YouTube. But let's go ahead and take you to our interview right after this with none other than former Mizzou All-American Chase Kaufman. Guys, we have so much still to come here on the Elite Sports Podcast, but we want to take this time to tell you about our new sponsor, 500 Level. 500 Level is the ultimate sports apparel and fan gear store, and they feature ultra-comfortable custom t-shirts for NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and even WWE. I just got a Macho Man Randy Savage shirt from 500 Level that has been a conversation starter everywhere I go. 500 Level was created because they decided it was time to create an apparel company that put the fans right in the mix instead of having to outfit themselves with the same old gear from major corporations. 500level.com works with exceptionally talented artists, designers, and diehard sports fans to create unique t-shirt designs for fans to wear with pride. I mean, here in Kansas City, it's time to defend that Lombardi trophy. So stock up in 500 Level's unbelievable inventory of never-before-seen designs for players like Patrick Mahomes, 
Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, or even rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You literally can't find that anywhere else. Use promo code KansasCity20 today for 20% off your order at 500level.com. That's promo code KansasCity20 for 20% off only at 500level.com. Chase, this is this is such a pleasure, by the way, man, to 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 have you on here because it just seems like yesterday, I was a uh, in my early twenties, traveling around the country watching the 2017 Missouri Tigers play, with every last dollar I had, man. It, it's just uh, 13 years goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah, so quick, um, and it's <laughs> it's fun to look back and kind of see how how that's affected my life now, and and really how special it was then. So many people, because uh, Chase, a little bit about uh, about us here and our brand. We're you know finishing up work on an SEC football documentary, where we traveled around and, and talked to so many former players and uh, so many former Missouri players, Sean Weatherspoon, and so many more. But the 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 sentiment from so many players, and we're talking about guys that played in the NFL, just like you did. They always kind of go back and say, in in hindsight, when the, my career's over, I look back and I identify myself with those four years that I played at with those guys at that university, would you say that's kind of the case for you as well? Well, I got cut 12 times in the NFL and <laughs> was with six different teams and never for four straight years uh, with, with the guys that, you know, are all there. There's so much turnover in the NFL. And, uh, and I mean, that is, that hits the nail right on the head. Um, you, you just build a bond in college with, with at least for me, and it sounds like a lot of the other guys that you've talked with that that you don't really get to in the NFL because of the business aspect of it. So tell us kind of what, what you're up to these days. I, as I understand that you're back in the, uh, the, the right more peculiar area and tell us where kind of people could find you and what you're up to these days, man. Yeah. So living my wife and I, we, my wife is from the Raypeck area as well. Uh, we've dated since high school. And so living back in Peculiar um, and working, we, well, we have three kids, uh, seven, seven, five, and one. And I am, I started into financial advising. That's something that I figured that I needed to know more about. And, and it also gives me a little bit of flexibility of, of not necessarily a nine to five, but still putting in hours. And and there's a lot of people that need that help, man. Um, it's one of the most important things in life. And, and I think one of my, one of my coaches in Atlanta said it best, you know, the opportunity to play in the NFL, it, it provides you with, with so much and, you know, the paycheck being one of them. And he said, you know, it's money's not everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. And, uh, <laughs> And, and, and that's, I mean, that's right. It, it provides you with a lot of opportunities and a lot of options. And I really want to be wise with uh, the money that I've been given to steward and, and help people do the same. So I'm working with a company, BMG Advisors in Kansas City. Our office is right down on the plaza. And uh, yeah, I, on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and you can look me up on there. Well, I hope people will definitely do that. You know, as you've been away from the game now kind of officially for, for about four years. What, what, you know, when you look back and you talked about being cut as many times as you were in the NFL, you were a third round pick though, the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, you know, with a, you know, a lot of promise you're coming off being an all American. And I remember early on, that was, I think the year the Bengals were on hard knocks. And I think that there was something in there or one of the coaches saying like, you know, you're, you're, you're from Missouri. You don't know how to block yet or something like that. I mean, what, what was the transition like for you? 
was it, were they, were they, is that something that is true to form? Because I mean, those, the tight ends in that offense, I mean, you and, and T Rucker and I mean, you guys are playing in a slot receiver basically. So w- was there some transition there for you? Yeah, that was, that was huge. And, uh, and going right in, like you said, on hard knocks, I think my, my tight ends coach had played up to that a little bit. And uh, <laughs> if, you, if you watch the hard knocks that year in 2009, I probably got cussed out on every show. Uh, but but yeah I mean we had Rucker and I what an opportunity at Mizzou to catch passes right but didn't really get our our hands in the dirt that much um and both being drafted to Ohio teams in the NFC or sorry AFC North where it's kind of a, a ground and pound and just grinded out style of play you know I I don't think it was the best fit for either of us and and it was tough and not that I wasn't unwilling it was just you know this I think the system um that we were both put into and just the lack of opportunity to do what we were really good at well what I think so interesting about the kind of the 07 team is how so the, the team was basically built on on people like yourself uh, people like Lorenzo Williams, uh, you know, Sean Weatherspoon, Denaro Alexander, guys that, and of course, Jeremy Macklin, but he was a four-star recruit, but the guys that, that came in that were a little unheralded as far as recruits go, that came in and really, you know, built this foundation. And it didn't happen immediately. You came in and played a lot as a freshman in 05 when you guys went, I think, six and five and, and made it to the mm-hmm. uh, Independence Bowl. So what was that like kind of coming in and building that foundation that wound up leading and coming to, it doesn't always, you, you come in and you blindly are putting in this work and trying to build this, not knowing what the outcome was even going to be at that point. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the best way to put it. I mean, you just have to have that blind faith and kind of trust the, the fact that, okay, I've been, I've been recruited by this group of coaches. I somewhat know the names of, of the guys on the, the roster and I've had my visits and, gotten you know gotten to know the guys on you know on this sky high level not and you know i I just have to go off of that Uh, there's a lot of prayer that went into that decision and you know praise the lord for for me and and all those people there at that time you know from the top down mike alden um you know and then gary pinkle um our strength strength staff our training staff our equipment staff everybody everybody was doing the right things to set us up for success and then the players there you know brad smith he was a great leader my freshman year uh we had a lot of guys that that you have already mentioned chase daniel um and we just had a group a solid group that put in the work and kind of knew what it took to be good that you're gonna have to work you're gonna have to grind you're gonna have to pick each other up but also hold each other accountable and I think we did a good job of doing that. And the biggest thing that I always tell people is the selflessness of that team. Um, you know, there's a lot of balls to go around, but you know, if if somebody didn't have a big game and we still won, you know, they weren't they weren't hanging their head. And that was that was one thing that I really respect about the guys that I played with. Well, when you look at that offense, by the time 07 comes around, Chase Daniel, um, you know, is a junior. You guys are humming along. You and T. Rock are in the play, playing tight end. Will Franklin. You got Tommy Saunders who come in as a as a walk on from Kearney, Missouri. You guys, uh, Jeremy Macklin, Darnay Alexander. I mean, this collection of offensive weapons and talent is something that I don't know that we'll ever really see again. It was just so special. What was it like, just that offense, knowing 
what you guys could do? Was it almost just like, okay, I liken it to kind of the chiefs today where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to have a drive where you don't put points on the board. You know what I mean? It's almost becomes like where you just, you have to score almost every possession just because you're, you're supposed to, you have the ability to what, what was it like just kind of playing with those guys and in, in, in that offensive scheme, because Gary Pinkle had to completely change everything he had been doing up to that point. He switched to the spread when, you know, that wasn't what, what he was yeah. about before that. So what, what was it like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was exciting. You know, like you said, every, every play, there's a chance for, you know, a highlight real highlight, real play to be there. And so, you know, for me, it was like, okay, every, every time I go out there, I have a chance to, number one, catch a pass. And if not catch a pass, right, if it's a run or or maybe a play designed for somebody else, I, I have a chance to block for that person to get the opportunity to score. And I think our coaches did a good job of, of just, you know, pounding that into our heads is, you know, what, even if you're 20 yards down the field, you, you still have to get the block for the guy that, you know, what if he, what if he springs it? Do you want to be the guy that's on film that says, you know, hey, we only got a 20-yard game. Game. That's, you know, that's great. But if you would have just got your block, if you would have just done your job, right, then then we could have had a touchdown this play, right? And so, and again, like going back to the accountability, you know, that's kind of where we held each other is, hey, this is, this is the standard that we want to be at. And if we want to be at the top of the top, we got to hold each other accountable and put in the work that, that produces this outcome. Well, when you look at kind of how the season ended, is it a bit surreal for you to kind of look back to that? You're a Kansas City guy. You go to Ray Peck High School, play for Tom Cruise there, uh, who I think just finished up his career, man. What a career it's been for him. But you, mm-hmm. you know, you go to Kansas City guy. You wind up playing Kansas at Arrowhead to, you know, for the right to win the division, to be number one in the nation at that point. And then to, to win that game and then to not be able to play against Oklahoma, you know, you get injured against, in, against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Take it out of that. And then to see Kansas get to go, get, you know, go play in the orange bowl while you guys go and just, uh, you know, kind of blow Arkansas off the field. What, when you look at this, the ending of that season, was it, was it just an emotional roller coaster because everybody put so much into that Kansas game. And then all of a sudden a week later, it's over as far as the national championship goes, but you still have the opportunity in the cotton ball. What was that kind of like for you? Uh, yeah, it, a little bit, but I, I think the coaches did a great job of just like, Hey, look, you know, we can't control these things, right? Like, we're just going to do our job. Um, and, and for me, that was a – it sucked. I, I got hurt on a an extra point attempt <laughs> in the Kansas game. Um, I'd had some bone spurs and some ankle problems that actually started in the first uh, Oklahoma game that year and just couldn't couldn't plant, couldn't really push off on, on that foot and uh, – just more I, I think better better for me to to let somebody else have that role where they could have actually you know made some plays during that game instead of just taking up space on the field and that I mean that argument could be made either way but uh, that was the decision uh, that we collectively made as a team and uh, training staff and coaching staff and myself and um, you know I, I don't <laughs> What if, right? <laughs> what if I would have been full health? I, I don't know, but uh, still ended up being a pretty awesome and memorable year. Yeah, and, we, yeah. Yeah, and to, and to go in there and really, you know, 
put it put the icing on the cake by knocking off a pretty good Arkansas team that you know again I don't know if they were fully in it um, but it is what it is and we we whooped them <laughs> well yeah we talked to Peyton Hellis about that uh in the offseason and he pretty much said the exact same thing that you did he just said uh, they they whooped us that's it he, I think he used that exact same quote uh so for 2008 the focus is uh more heavily on you because Martin Rucker moves on he uh, graduates and you're kind of the featured tight end you you're an all-american that year and uh but you guys suffer a heartbreaking loss to oklahoma state and we've talked to a, a lot of players uh that said you know of course we didn't quit on the season after that loss but we, there was so much hope and so much expectations that that loss took some you know air out of the sail so to speak what, what was that like for you do you do you kind of agree with that that losing that game on on that stage that it, and then you know kind of going to texas the next week and it was just a a downhill situation from at that point um, still won 10 games, still won the, the, the big 12 North yeah. good season, yeah. but not what it maybe could have been. Was that loss? Was yeah, that it, it was a little bit deflating. Um, I, I, I would still argue I got called down on the one yard line on the screen pass. We had to kick a field goal and I, I believe that I scored and I would still argue that had that, had that been called, the way that I thought it was, I mean, I think we would have won. And and they, I mean, they were a good team that year. They they had a really good team. And for whatever reason, we, I don't, I don't think we let up. But uh, it, was, it was a tough game for us. And I mean, going forward, we did all we could to just continue doing what we control, uh, could control. And and again, you know, coming into down to Texas, who was a great team as well. I think they were. What they made it to the national championship that year, I believe. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, I, I, they really, I, that was. I think that was the year they wound up getting in some weird three-way tie. I think Oklahoma still wound up in the championship. That's when they lost yeah. to Florida, but they wound up in a three-way tie. That was the Crabtree, and all that. Yeah, There's that's it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was at that game at Texas too, and. It's like before I, I mean, my seats were so high. It was incredible. It was right after they'd done that renovation. By the time I got up there, it was like 21, nothing, I think. And it was just, you know, it's, I, I remember yeah. uh, a lot yeah, about that. And it was, I think we finally got in the end zone. Denario catches a touchdown in the corner and they review it and it's, and they overturn it. It was just like, this is just not, it's nothing's going to yeah. go right. <laughs> not, not much went our way. Um, uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> I, I I do remember having myself a pretty good statistical game. See, unfortunately, that was about it. <laughs> what does the program? What does the university mean to you today? Because since that has happened, you know, Missouri's on its third coach since then. Barry, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, for Barry Odom, and now yeah. Eli Drinkwitz is in there, and we've seen a lot of promise from that. What, what when you you know have all these years, you know, twelve years. Of looking back, what what does the program mean to you today? Oh man, it's again kind of going back to where we started, right? Like, I I was extremely blessed to have to be surrounded by a group of people that that really picked me up and held me accountable, and and that did their job uh, the way that that I expected myself to do my own job. Um, I still keep in touch with a lot of people down there. Columbia is an amazing city. I try to get down there a little bit, take my wife and kids down there um, for maybe a game a year or just an event a year so so we can get back there. And I mean, I think that, that we're still headed in the right direction. Um, 
as far as an organization and football team, you know, like Conzo Martin and the things that he's trying to do for the basketball players. I know that, you know, across the board, I think we have some really good coaches, Brian Smith and the wrestling program. Um, but I mean, growing up a kid in can't just South of Kansas city in Missouri and, you know, believing that I'd probably always, you know, be around the Kansas city area and left, unless there was, you know, to end up with, unless there was something that I felt like God was just saying, you know, this is, this is where I want you. I mean, for me to go to Mizzou and have the success that, that we had while I was there, that, that means a lot. Um, and, and I believe it's given me a lot of opportunity uh, to continue, you know, speaking, speaking life into people um, and also in my career going forward. And I think for someone like yourself, as you know, uh, recruiting is so, such an important part of, 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 you know, especially somewhere like at Missouri that's in the SEC and has to compete with so many big programs. But someone like you is a true testament to the fact that you, know, you can be from this state, you can go play for the state school, you can have success, you can go to the NFL, you can accomplish all your dreams, you know, right here. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you, you talk to people about? I do. I, I want to. When given the opportunity I, um, to some to some young kids, uh, I mean, I I want I want to tell them, you know, Mizzou's not the place for everybody, right? Like, I want it to be. I want all the best recruits to go there. Um, I, you know, I want you to do what's best for yourself. But you know, being from here, being from the state, and going to the the in-state school, and you know, again, like myself, if you're ever going to be back around this area, like you, you do have all the opportunity in the world to get done and, and to meet the goals that you have set out for yourself, whatever those are. Right. And, you know, football, it's, it's going to end someday. And if you're going to come back to any area in Missouri or surrounding Missouri, right, you're going to have the support of the Mizzou fan base. Right. If, if yeah. as long as long as long as you have, you know, respected the name on the front and the back of your jersey. Yeah. And that's something that is uh, maybe changing in the college football landscape a little bit. The transfer portal and uh, the, it's so easy to just go play somewhere else. I'm not playing enough. I don't like this. It's so easy to just go somewhere else and start over. Do you, what, what do you see when you look at kind of the game yeah. now and how it's changed a little bit? Yeah, it's a it's a fine line um, entering the transfer portal or or just staying put. I think there's a lot to be said for staying put and you know working through something hard. Um, it really teaches you a, a lot about yourself, a lot about what you're capable of doing. And you know the grass isn't always greener. It it has you know there's been cases where it's worked out, and on the other hand, I feel like there's a lot more cases where it. I mean, you're, you're, you're still the same guy, you know, like there is, there is opportunity where, man, this, this system just isn't what I thought it was and I don't fit the system. Right. And, you know, maybe you find the right system, but there's always, you know, somebody coming up the next, the next recruiting class, no different than the NFL. There's, you know, there's another draft class next year where they're going to try to replace you with somebody better. And, <laughs> and, if, if you can stick it out, right, those four, three, four, five years, whatever it is for you, I think that there's a lot to be said for that and a lot of support that you'll continue to get after that. 
Well, Chase, you're just a tremendous ambassador to, to the university. And I'm just uh, so glad that things are going well for you and that you're back here in the state of Missouri and, uh, you know, and, and are being you know successful and happy and everything like that. It's, it was a true pleasure watching you play and now being able to be, you know, see it from this side, uh, the media side. It's like, man, I wish I could have, I wish I w- was a little older so I could have actually covered that team because there was so much, so many special people and so many people that we've talked to since that's like, wow, that was just, it was just a collection mm-hmm. of, of people that uh, it's just really hard to put it into words because there's so many different personalities yet you guys kind of united for, for a common goal. And I know that's something that you'll kind of be able to keep with you forever. And that's a, that's a really powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very special. I still keep in contact with a lot of those guys. And um, I mean, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't say it won't happen again because I believe, I believe we're, we're close. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the St. Louis side, I mean, coach Eli Drinkwitz is really knocking out of the park in a lot of ways. I mean, he's getting that St. Louis side, just Mookie Cooper, mm-hmm. the receiver from Ohio state transfers in today. We got to get the Kansas city side, uh, you know, kind of going up yeah. there as well. And I know there's a good program right there, probably a few miles from where you're sitting. So we got to, we got to kind of round this thing out. We got to get Kansas city back in there too. We got to make this kind of, yeah. you know, get both sides rolling. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of talented <laughs> kids in this state. And um, if you can get everybody bought into one common goal, there's no hey. telling where it can go. Well, Chase, I tell you what, uh, you know, we, we could talk about this stuff for, for, you know, for a long time because it was such a, foundation for me. I mean, I came in, you know, when Corby Jones uh, was down there and my dad taking me to games and to see that through and being a Missouri fan, it's not always easy. It's just, it's, it's not, there's, you, I always say that you don't, there's not a single bandwagon Missouri fan out there. They just don't exist Yeah. because you got to buy in. And when you have moments that come to fruition, like it did in, in 07, and it just makes it that much more gratifying. And I think we'll see more times like that coming forward, but I hope everybody will reach out, you know, especially anyone that has uh, any, any uh, financial planning needs, you can follow you on Twitter at uh, chase underscore Kaufman. Be sure that you do that. Chase, you're uh, just, again, great guy. We need, we got to get, so we got to get your, uh, you know, your, your, your zoom signage game going up there a little bit in your office there. We need to get you a sign like mine or something I, yeah, to, to kind of dress it up back there. I got, I got, I got my family, my family pictures. <laughs> there you go. The yeah, my kids. See, that, uh, that actually, actually, a football that I had. I'll, I'll pull this up. This this football that I had up here. It was just sitting in my basement. It was from a Seahawks game where I scored a touchdown. Um, and it got stolen out of my office a couple months ago uh, when when COVID was kind of a little bit a little bit more strict, and <laughs> somebody came came through the office when things were kind of shut down and and took it well but that's luckily somebody tipped me off and was able to get it back on on facebook <laughs> wow see the power of social media that's incredible well that's awesome chase again thanks so much my friend uh stay safe and stay healthy man we'll definitely be in contact uh all good things going forward man thanks again so much yeah i appreciate it clint thank you for your time anytime brother thank you well, that's kind of surreal catching up with a guy like Chase Kaufman because as a guy in my early 20s that was just so on fire for sports, for Mizzou football, to finally have that come to fruition, it was awesome. And to have him join us there was really cool, especially, you know, he, he starts the interview by putting the Mizzou helmet on. He's got in his office. He's got a signed football there in his office and Raymore Peculiar. You know, he's a financial advisor now. So look him up. Uh, you can get a hold of him at 
Chase underscore Kaufman. And you can, uh, if you have any wealth management needs, which you have to have some wealth, I'm told, to uh, to oh, have man. this need. So we're unfortunately out. But uh, for any real person out there, uh, definitely hit up Chase. He's a great guy, great ambassador for the university. And honestly, I think as a guy that had some of the best hands I've ever seen in football, the softest hands, he made some of the mo most prolific catches uh, that I can ever remember uh, from that position. And uh, I think his NFL career, you know, it could have been longer. Like you said, maybe in, in today's climate that uh, it's more suited for a tight end like uh, Chase Kaufman, like Martin Rucker, even like Michael Agnew later, guys that uh, did not really have their hands in the dirt. You know, we got Albert Okwebunan there in Denver currently and, uh, you know, has a pretty good start to his career. We'll see where things go from there. But Noah, this is a big weekend in sports. We're looking forward to next weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey has admitted that the Chiefs just fat pressed the fast forward button. And if that's the case, if what Travis Kelsey is telling us is true, and we've seen the Chiefs who won their last uh, seven of their last eight games, of course, they lost the, the meaningless game to the Chargers, but they won those uh, 10 straight games before losing that game. And seven of them were, in fact, by six points or less. They hit the fast forward button. That's what Travis Kelsey is saying. That shows up in the box score. Does that make this Chiefs team one of the greatest NFL teams of all time. They just showed up, did what was necessary to win and moved on. Is this some sort of a super team that when we get to be here in the playoffs and they got the Ravens, the Titans coming in, the uh, the Browns, whoever it's going to be, that we see them just absolutely turn this on and run roughshod through the AFC playoffs. I think it is. And that's something that we had speculated on, on this very show for weeks and weeks, maybe even months going back to that Raiders loss and then some close wins there after the stretch, pretty much all the way down the line. And we saw this team and what they were doing. And we're just like, this is way too talented. I thought they would come into the season wanting to just demolish everyone and just outscore everyone and put on a show and just put a stamp on the season as no, we're going to reclaim the Super Bowl championship. We're going to run it back. Like they're talking about, we're going to make it two in a row here. But man, like you said, Travis Kelsey came out and admitted Man, we're just we wanted to fast forward. Is it the playoffs already? We just wanted to get there. And I think teams are going to be overlooking the Chiefs, as crazy as that might sound, because they've seen how they played. They've kind of stumbled down the stretch this last month of the season of December. And I think that whoever it is that comes into Arrowhead for the divisional round, I think they're going to be feeling pretty good. They're going to win their wild card game. They've been playing well down the stretch, whether it's the Colts or the Ravens, even the Browns, uh, the Titans. I think they're going to feel good coming into Arrowhead saying, hey, this isn't the same team as last year. We've seen what they've done. A lot of close wins. They've kind of faltered on offense here and there. Patrick Mahomes isn't playing at as high of a level as we had seen last year and uh, at certain spots this season. But uh, down the stretch, he hasn't been playing super well. It seems like he lost the MVP to Aaron Rodgers down the stretch. But I just think the Chiefs are going to be locked in and super hyper-focused on the job at hand, getting back. This is what they've been waiting for all season long. That's what Travis Kelsey was getting at. We wanted to fast forward and get to here. I think they are going to be able to flip the switch. I think they're going to be focused in, and they are going to get it done. That all remains to be seen. Before we sign off here on this week's edition of the Elite Sports Podcast, I do have to ask you this, because as we look around, uh, especially the AFC, I think in the NFC, the truth of it is I don't expect any surprises. I know a lot of people would just love to see Alex Smith and the Washington football team upset the Bucks, And uh, I'm not saying that's out of the question, but right now Alex Smith is uh, maybe even questionable for the game. We're not sure where that's going to even go, if he's going to even be available. And, uh, you know, you got games like Bears, Saints. I, I just don't think there's a lot of intrigue there. But in the AFC, which was hotly contested all year, those records, you, like I said, we have a seven seed that's 11-5. and five. That is a rarefied situation. Do we expect any 
surprises? Do we expect any fireworks? Can you see the Colts upsetting the Bills? Can we get a Browns over Steelers? And uh, then what do we expect in the 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 four five game? Titans and uh, and and Ravens. I don't know that there's really. I don't know how to peg. I don't know how to handicap that one. The Titans seem to have the Ravens number, and uh, still, as it may be, that is just a closely contested game, and I don't think that there's really an upset either way there. Do you see any upsets coming out of this? I'd like to say the Browns, but uh, their coach, Kevin Stefanski, is not going to be coaching the game because of COVID. So uh, their special teams coach, Mike Prefer, is going to step up as the assistant coach. He's going to be placed in that head coach role. And so I don't know if they're going to be just firing on all cylinders and uh, really have that cohesion as a team coming together uh, to beat the Steelers. It could happen, uh, but it's just uh, more of a long shot now that their head coach isn't there. I think the Colts have every chance to go into Buffalo and win that football game. I think it's closely contested all the way down the line in the AFC in this uh, playoff race, the wild card weekend. So I could see any of those teams winning, whether it's the Colts, the Browns, and like you said, the Ravens and Titans is kind of a coin flip. Uh, I like the Ravens in that game to win. Um, I'd like to see the Browns or Colts uh, knock either the Steelers or Bills off and come to Arrowhead. And uh, maybe the only team we got to play that uh, is really looked at as a, as a contender is maybe the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Well, guys, we can't thank you enough for being a part of us, not only in 2021, but for all the years we've been doing this, all the way back to, believe it or not, Noah, 2012. We're entering our ninth year as a uh, as an entity, uh, GASNsports.com, that is our website. Uh, so be, be sure to go there and check out all of our articles and our archives, our podcasts, our interviews. Everything is archived there. Again, our, our uh, YouTube channel, you can get the videos of these interviews. Um, always hit us up on social media, GASN Sports. Just search it, and you will find us, and you can interact with us there. We always appreciate it. Uh, as far as po the podcast goes, guys, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, any way you choose to take in the show, we've got your back. You've got a smartphone. You've got this show. Always thank our sponsors, Golden Road Brewing. I tell you what, the Kingdom Ale, the clock is ticking. Get to your local high V. Pick up a case of uh, the Kingdom Blonde Ale or the Mango Cart and help celebrate this playoff season with your Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, our good friends at 500 Level, 500level.com. The shirts are unique, custom, and they're just super comfy. I've got so many shirts now in my closet, Noah. They're stuffed full. Macho Man Randy Savage, Patrick Mahomes, NFL, WWE, NHL, Major League Baseball, throwbacks. It's all there. 500level.com. Thank you guys so much again for joining us here on The Elite.